You asked for it, we delivered. Our guest today is an entrepreneur, content creator, brand owner, model, YouTuber, crypto wizard, PAQ fan favorite, and my dad's favorite son, Magnus Ronin. In this fashion podcast with a fashion influencer, we find out Magnus actually doesn't really care about fashion, but we do get some hot takes on his favorite meal deal, how to find success on a dating app, and trying to get papped outside shows he wasn't invited to. As always, I'm joined in the room by George and Matt, so they are... Chiming in every so maybe not Matt. Jordan's chiming in. <laughs> Matt's silent. So yeah, you'll hear those voices. Enjoy. Okay, <laughs> giggling. <laughs> you. What is up, you guys? <laughs> and welcome back to another dance planning podcast. Yeah, go on, take over. Today I'm joined by Magnus, I guess. So I suppose my question is, how do you two know each other? What's your story? My story. Yeah. Um, Dan used to be a bit of a neek on <laughs> online Facebook groups and forums. <laughs> and I was like, I never Danny, really Danny's not a kind of guy I want to hang out with. Northern skater. And then he started getting famous. And I was like, maybe I can get some, some likes off this guy, some followers, <laughs> some online cred. And then there we are. And here we are. No, I think, I think we met, we must have met at a event. I don't think I, I, I think we met before I was on PQ FaceTime. Yeah, definitely. It was the basement Nike event. Oh. So I'd seen you on basement like a few times. So I was aware. And then I went to Blondie McCoy's exhibition, came back, met you, and I thought, bloody hell, there's two of them. Okay, so nice. I remember that was the first time chatting to you, and you're actually more sweeter and and with it than I thought. Like I didn't know what you were gonna be like in person. Yeah, you're very, very switched on. So a lot of people think you look like Blondie. Basically. I don't, I don't see it personally. I, I Never in my life have I woken up thinking, this guy, that's like Bob McCoy. Did he once DM you? I was with you when he DM'd you saying something about it. Well, it was a long running joke on my, in my community, my YouTube sort of space, people long following Bob McCoy. And then I think enough people commented on his Instagram post saying, tagging me or tagging <laughs> Magnus basically. And then he DM'd me late one night and said, oh, we should go as each other for uh, Halloween next year. Did he? And I was like, it's 2 a.m. I'm in Paris. Like, what's, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on that, here? That's a weird um, you up message to get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like getting booty called by Blondie. No, it is very surreal, but never happened. I mean, so. I guess the first fashiony part of this podcast is if Blondie was to dress up like you for Halloween, what would he be wearing? Oh, he'd be wearing uh, cargo trousers. Yeah. Maybe a... Jordan 1s? Uh, mm, not really. Yeah. It's Oliver Ronin's, I'd say, actually. He'd wear Could, more. Yeah, probably Solivare Runnings. Maybe Jordan ones if you want to go real stereotypical style. White top, like a, I can't really say wife beater, but like a white vest, <laughs> white tank top. And then varsity jacket. Of course, always varsity. varsity jacket. Probably red. Perfect. Real high school musical. What are you in now? The top's very... Today I'm wearing a vintage... Like a lattice tablecloth. Yeah, vintage uh, navy polyester lace top. Uh, Sounds hot. Uh, <laughs> super hot. Got a vintage T-shirt underneath. Nice. That says, that says, Lao Lao Fish and Poi. <laughs> yeah, so from, from, from Hawaii. Never been Hawaii. Uh, I'm wearing a pair of Acne Studios drawstring twill pants. Nice. And a pair of running in collaboration with Solivair monk straps. So full navy with a little bit of black. People who say black and navy don't go together, you can uh, fuck off. Exactly. I rate that. Yeah. So where's this daft accent from? Well, I was born in the UK. 
I was born in a little little village called uh, Guildford, and then I spent three years in a little place called Chertsey, in Surrey. So you know we sorry to hear that. Yes, there you go. Nice, good start. Uh, and then when I was three years old, we basically moved from the UK to Denmark, and I spent thirteen years in Denmark, surrounded by blonde hair, blue eyed, beautiful Danish girls on the beach and and stuff. And now I'm back in the UK. And then you went to Reading University. <laughs> yeah, I went to Reading University. Um, well, I went to Henley College first. So anything fashion related? Were you studying? No, I studied maths, English, sociology and history. Oh, yeah. academic. So when did, when did fashion come into your life? Uh, fashion became a thing when I was sort of, I'd say 15, 14, 15 is when it, I started caring more about it. It was never a job until... I was maybe 18, 19, but I was, I was into fashion from a young age. For some reason in Denmark, Ivisu was the coolest thing when I was like 11 years old. <laughs> so you had kids in Ivisu jeans with like the big seagull on the back and all the pockets. You had kids in hood clothes almost. Like you, you had a bunch of white 12 year old guys in clothing with embroidered bull rots on him, like bulldogs. <laughs> Snapbacks like to the side. Riddles, snapjacks. Snap snapjacks? <laughs> Snackerjacks? <laughs> A1 crisp. Uh, Carl can I 12-year-old kids wearing Nike shocks. So we were ahead with our flex fit caps. And so stuff. that's very London now then. Yeah, the, the trend has come all the way around. But it's weird because I, I used to live in this little town in Denmark with like 2,000 people. Oh. And Ivisu was this was the biggest thing for us, gene wise and style wise. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, twelve years later, Ivisu is, <laughs> is super cool again in London and that that street scene. But I think fashion for me didn't really happen until I was eighteen, nineteen, and that's where I started doing a little bit of modelling and got more interested in fashion. Made a YouTube channel when I was eighteen, started talking about clothing, menswear, and then posted in a basement, and then here we are. So when did you start Ronning? Or oh, it was Syndicate, wasn't it, originally? Yeah. So I've got a clothing brand called Ronning, and it's now five years old, I think. Just over five years old. And I was making YouTube videos in my university dorm room. People liked the stuff, and I thought, ah, oh, let me make some fun clothes. Clothes I think are cool. And I made these, I made a black hoodie, sweatshirt, and T-shirt with this syndicate embroidery on it. Yes. Straight up ripped off from the very iconic Slayer graphic. <laughs> so basically I just found a Slayer font almost. And instead of and raining blood, it was raining pals. Raining money. Raining money for you. Yeah. Nah, it wasn't that. It was, it was a good job. Um, yeah. But then started just making pretty simple graphic stuff. And then that did really well dropped out of university and then kept on making making clothes did you drop out of university for the clothing line did you kind of yeah. find it a feasible option or i um i was going to drop out anyways i think yeah just because university in the uk is a bit of a joke um you pay a lot of money you go to school for like five months of the year yeah and it's more about the lifestyle rather than actual education so i just said did you live the lifestyle not to the fullest extent I mean, I was I was probably going out twice twice a week, which was quite low in comparison. <laughs> but then, all my time was spent just playing video games, making YouTube videos, <clears throat> so just sort of doing my schoolwork, doing my hobby, and a little bit of drinking. So you were a nerd, basically. Yeah, basically. I mean, you were playing. Was it World of Warcraft? Uh, at that time, I was playing Overwatch. Overwatch, nice. Yeah, probably you. good six six hours a day. Magnus's Easy. PC master is from. 
years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I've been gaming since I was probably four years old. Been Mad. playing World of Warcraft for 12 years. Thank God this is a fashion podcast, so we don't have to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. I can tell you everything about my female orc if you want. Oh, you go know, for it, yeah. All this stuff. She was, she's, I made a female orc. Um, John is going to love it in this. <laughs> during COVID, I started gaming again. I had this female orc, very green, bold. What did you dress her in? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Tactical. It was, it was tough, tough times in COVID. You know. I had the uh, adult restriction on my browser. Couldn't watch any uh, other stuff. So I had to do with with the, Female orcs. the, the online world. You, sir, are yeah. gross. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so running now, like what has been your favorite kind of pieces to make? What are you most proud of? I suppose my question was like, what is the brand now? It started off as like ripping off like hey. yeah <laughs> your, your, your words not mine hey. what, what, how do you describe the brand someone who's never sort of received it before the history of running is very a lot of bends and changes it started off with a lot of graphics working on blanks and not really caring much about the quality more so the graphic on the t-shirt or the hoodie and then I wanted to at some point pivot more into becoming more of a brand so we started making all this stuff in, in Portugal and I'd say now it's sort of elevated streetwear basics with some unique twists so placements of pockets on cargo pants making sure the quality is perfect taking something like a sweatshirt making it more oversized so it's less of just a regular sweatshirt but more of a fit yeah I'm not going to sit here and say that we push the boundaries of what fashion is <laughs> with with, it's with essentials, running. isn't it? It's elevated oh, essentials. Yeah, elevated essentials. And I think for us, our our aim is not to push the boundaries in fashion because that's not what I've ever been about. It's not what the people I work with have Even when you had the uh, the jumpsuit with the Marlboro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a photo of Magnus in the basement. It was when he's in his prime modeling phase. Yeah. And he had a like a navy boiler suit on a red bandana, his blonde hair, and then a pack of Marlboros when they used to still have pa- uh, branding on the packaging. Or yeah. did they not? I swear you said you imported them or like you brought them back from duty free. <laughs> oh no, that was, they, they were luckily real, real Marlboro red. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I had a phase when I was into fashion a lot, a lot more and I didn't have a following where we would, me and a guy called Soart would go to Fashion Week together, not be invited to any shows. We'd basically just <laughs> dress up. Outside. We'd dress up, be on our phone outside the the event to get street styled, and we'd just yeah. walk up and down, up and down. And <laughs> it's so funny because obviously now we're in a position where we do get invited to shows, which is is amazing. But we still see the same kind of kids that we we used to be walking up and down in you know exactly what they're doing. It's and like... we're like, wow. That's it's cool to see, but it's yeah. so weird to think that you were the one doing that years ago. What would have been your first big purchase in fashion? Because remember you had the, was it a Dries top? The J- J.W. Anderson. J.W. Anderson, the jacket. You had both them, didn't you? See, the yeah. long and the short. And that was like the iconic Magnus jacket for years. Still Do you still is, have it? Still have both of them. So nice. I've got, in 2013, I think, 2014, J.W. Anderson made these two amazing jackets, which is a a wool degrade that goes from sort of black all the way down to a stone cream sort of vibe and there's a long version which is a long oversized shawl color coat and yeah. one that's a shorter which is called a combo bomber and i bought the shawl coat first which was my how much well i paid 1100 pounds for it Whoa. but at wow. that time i was working full-time as a waiter didn't really make money on fashion or anything <clears throat> but i just loved that so i saved up for that yeah and i was 
this weird guy in a small village in the UK in this massive fashion <laughs> piece coat with blonde hair. And I was like, wow, I've got to make it in fashion somehow to wear this shit. <laughs> so I bought that and that was sort of my first real fashion piece. Put in a basement, people loved it. See some people, second. <laughs> yeah, some people still called it the Magnus coat, for yeah. example, years later. And then the short version came to came up on sale as well. How much was that? I paid like four fifty for it. Ah, not as bad. Obviously. Beautiful. Obviously you're doing the brand now, but I suppose your big break and the way a lot of people know you is through YouTube. Yeah. What had that come about? Like when at what moment do you go, Oh shit, I'm a YouTuber? <laughs> I've, I think even after five years, I still haven't, six years, still haven't said I'm a YouTuber. And I, and I think, I don't know why, but um, I started off on YouTube because my family and I were going to America for a month and I wanted to vlog that just to sort of have it as, as a memory. Rather than pictures, have a video of it. Did a few vlogs and then at some point while we we're away, uh, the Supreme Autumn Winter 2017 lookbook drops. And at that time, it was a trend uh. to sort of review them and talk about the collection, make comments on it and whatnot. But basically I'm I'm at Las Vegas I'm in Las Vegas. The Supreme collection thing drops. I'm on holiday with my parents. I'm eighteen, so I'm not doing anything in Vegas. I'm not uh, shagging or anything. <laughs> still, uh, not. still not still not true. And I'm sitting at I I remember telling my parents, I'm like, uh yeah, you guys got and wonder about I'm just gonna film something for like two hours. So I, f- I filmed this. <laughs> Very <laughs> sus. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. If there's any money somehow in Vegas. <laughs> so basically, I just filmed that, made it super memey. Uh, a lot of like Call of Duty references from like gaming and online internet culture, and then that sort of did fine. I stopped doing vlogs and started focusing completely on on men's fashion. So that's sort of how I started making fashion content on YouTube. It performed better. Most of the things I was saying were kind of hot takes and I yeah. was just talking shit for the camera, which at the time was a lot of fun and it's fun to edit. But obviously looking back now, five years later, I'm, I'm like, wow, I really said that. Who else was doing like fashion YouTube at that time? That era was quite serious in a sense. Oh, it's super serious. I mean, most of my inspiration didn't come from other YouTubers. It was more of like Call of Duty montage videos. Yeah. With like, or like meme compilations. But at the time we had someone like Jacob Keller, uh, Fernando was posting, Jacob Wallace yes. was posting, Opti Sanjeev, Avery Blasner is posting, yeah. <laughs> uh, Avery Ginsberg. So there's, there, are, there are a few, but a lot of it was quite serious fashion. Yeah. Or mainly... There's more reviews rather than... A lot of reviews or like pickup videos or rework videos, like how to slim a pair of trousers. Obviously you had people like Alpha M uh, teaching men's fashion, these traditional, more menswear channels. Yeah. But there weren't much for streetwear that was not focused around hype stuff, at least, I'd say. Yeah. Um, you saw a gap in the market and you grabbed it with both hands, then PAQ came in and shat all over your dreams. Basically, yeah. I think <laughs> I think PAQ built and destroyed the streetwear scene on YouTube. It's in there. Yeah, Dan is, is doing the triumph. Pounding the air. <laughs> <laughs> I've also seen you rip off some complex videos. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, but Emily Obeck has watched it. Oh, she has watched it. Probably. With you. We oh, were there. Well, in Berlin. Yeah. Did she watch the videos? Yeah. Yeah. Complex were amazing at the time. I don't know if they still do content, but obviously Emily Oberg definitely yes. pioneered the Supreme Q, Unknown Vlogs also pioneered it and, and really put that 
Stumped sort of it. spectacle and put it from what was used to be articles suddenly became YouTube videos and like visual proof. Yeah. And I think that was a lot of fun, but also very weird to sort of say, oh, it's a first day. We're going to the Supreme Drop to film stuff. Yeah. And you'd walk around and be like, why are, why are there 500 kids queuing for Supreme or clothing? <laughs> so it was, it felt very like guerrilla warfare style. Yeah. To sort of get the clothes back then. Now it feels more controlled. Did you ever queue up for Supreme? Oh yeah, I've queued, I've queued, I've camped, the whole thing. Have you camped? I camped what was it for? Jordan, Jordan Force and Jordan Force. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to join you with that for some reason. I was going to say that, luckily you did it for me, so. What's yeah, the, what's the uh, biggest Jordan, thing you bought there? It's Jordan, Jordan 5s, I think they were. Jordan 5s collaboration with Supreme, Nike. Um, oh. They did like the camo ones, yeah. the white ones and the black ones. Um, but the biggest thing I bought from Supreme... Do you have the fur cut? Not like fair, like the fur fur had Supreme on the back of it. No, never had that. Uh, um, I haven't spent much money on Supreme, to be honest. I don't, I've, I've never had much of it, but I'd say maybe a leopard coat I bought a long time ago. Oh, yeah. And there's this horrible picture of me, a friend of mine called Nick, and Lily Allen <laughs> all wearing the same jacket, and it was career ruining for Lily, mainly, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't spent much money at Supreme. What's the video that blew up the most then that you, you did? Supreme or in general? In general. In general. There's two videos You're going to say it's a Supreme one now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a simple fucking answer. <laughs> no, it's a video of my dad where he's guessing the cost of Hypebeast clothing, I think. Oh, or maybe gosh. the cost of my clothing. What are those two? We made two videos and, and uh, they sort of went semi-viral in that community at least. And it was a lot of fun. But then you read the comments and you're like, wow. There's a million people watching. They're all commenting shit about me. <laughs> Not really my dad. Like, what's, but they're probably my most sort of viral pieces. Um, and it's a lot of fun. But it's also scary to sort of have an idea, know it's going to give you a certain amount of, of exposure. Sort of exposure, And then preparing yourself for that exposure is, is tough. You mean um, you didn't have a 600-man office editing team <laughs> behind no. you? A full production team? <laughs> No, sadly not. Uh, yeah, YouTube for me has always been sort of a one-man band kind of thing. Yeah. So it's been me sort of filming most of it, editing it, ideas, content, planning it. There's been a few times where my flatmate would have helped me with it. But most of the time, it's been me sort of just putting the camera on a tripod, doing dumb shit, filming for like 15 minutes and saying, right, that's it. That's, <laughs> all, the, that's all the footage I've got. I've got to save it in the editing suite now. So I would film pretty shit take. And then just spend 10 hours editing the video to make it a little bit watchable. But for me, some of the videos that I am the proudest of or that I enjoy the most looking back are videos that I haven't edited much. Because those are the ones where I've sat down and just talked to the camera Let 10 minutes and said, this is great. I like this video. I felt engaged. Yeah. And then they seem to be more personal and more serious in some ways. So how do you feel about your audience? Because obviously you're very not serious. But very deadpan. Yeah. <laughs> and it's your audience. Obviously, you're very funny and witty. But your audience, do you ever get sick of them calling you lesbians or calling you a lesbian, calling you blondie, calling you like... Because it is that kind of relationship with your fans that you have where it's very piss-takey. So the lesbian joke came because I had sort of started growing my hair a little bit. And then obviously you get loads of comments 
if you make fun of yourself, then people also sort of will make fun of you because they're like, oh, it's a free pass. Yeah. He does it, I can do it. And most of the times, I think you make fun of yourself before other people can do it. Yeah. To sort of preemptively do it. But I was sort of growing my hair and someone joked about me looking like a lesbian with long hair. And <laughs> I said something, I think I replied to the comment saying something like, ah, yeah, this guy looks like a fucking lesbian or some dumb <laughs> shit like that. And it sort of just caught wind. <laughs> And now, four years later, people are still calling me a lesbian. And, <laughs> and it's, I see the sort of fun part in it, but at the yeah. same time, I think it's... It's quite jarring. It's jarring, not very brand friendly. Yeah. But also, I think for people who are in a situation where they might be closeted or they're sort of finding their feet in terms yeah. of sexuality and whatnot, it might be... Derogatory sort of, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. A, a bit damaging in some, some yeah. sense. And also, if I'm sort of allowing that to happen, some people might be like, oh, this guy yeah, provoking doesn't really it care much about it. He's feeding into it. Yeah. So most of the time, I just ignore all lesbian comments because I don't want to feed Fuel into it. it. Yeah. yeah. So what's the best like nickname you've had? Or what's like, either the funniest or the best one that you've had? Lesbian. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. So before we, before we like go into like where the brand's at now, because obviously you're not doing YouTube too much, I think I think we should talk about like when you came into my life and when you came into Danny's life, when you Sus. lost oh, yeah. best dressed YouTuber. Oh my god! <laughs> what an honor. Yeah. You lost being the best dressed YouTuber. Yeah. What? Who won? Ricky Thompson. Ah, oh, of course. Yeah. Big, big dub. Um, yeah, that was incredible. Obviously, PQ had been going for about. A year and a half at that point, I'd say. I'd probably say less. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like, like 200k. Subscribers yeah, point. yeah, relevant. How many subscribers you got again? 231. Ah, cool. Yeah, yeah. cool. So, the show's been finished a year, still got 800, but cool. Me and Hal. I'm losing a bit day by day, but it's okay. I'm on TikTok now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so. Is it at Magnus on TikTok? No, it's oh. at Shagnus. <laughs> Is it Shagnus? <laughs> no, it's Shagnus now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's better. It's better than saying than being Magnus running. I think Shackness is a is a good one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. PAQ I, and Magnus worlds collide. Worlds collide. So from Shackness to Shackness. Yeah, true. Now we obviously I got I think an invite. I got email whatever about this thing. BDYs the best YouTubers, and I thought oh amazing. I thought it's an amazing experience to sort of go from filming in your bedroom alone to suddenly having a massive crew. But I think that also made me very, not necessarily envious, but I was definitely looking at the at the Kyra and PQ team and thinking, wow, it must be amazing to have that many people. Like you've got it's so easy kind of thing. Yeah, you've got like the you've got the creativity coming in from different sides. You've got people you work with every day. You're not just on your own in a bedroom. Like you're actually working with a big team. So I loved it. I thought it was an amazing experience. It was my first time with a bigger crew. I think. Um, and, and after that we couldn't get rid of you yeah, after that I was stuck yeah it, it was shocking me and Danny were going through trying to work out what the first episode you were in and when we realised it was that we just couldn't because yeah. you, you feel like you were part of that journey with us the whole yeah. time is that the first one? that's we're, the first pretty sure. episode you were in because I tried to get you in for something I think I can't really was but you said I thought we the... used to speak really officially as well. So you're I'm like going through the DM just Yeah, like hello sir. Hello like, friend. Hello friend. <laughs> no, like, I, I still say that though. I still say hello, sir. Gosh. I mean so do I, but it was very like the tone of the messages is very official. It's like, uh like we're working out logistics, like we'd love to have you on and this Saturday. And now it's like <laughs> no bed fans being unpack. 
It's like doing a podcast, you and it's like, yeah, fuck it, I'm free on Thursday or whatever. Yeah, it was like dead official. And it was, I think we'd done Up and Running, we had your podcast. So me and Elle came over to your house. No, because the podcast was after the PDYs, I think. Um, was it though? Because I think you asked me on that first, and I think that's how... Where's the accessories at? Yeah, so the, the, yeah, I'm under ah. accessorize all areas. That's oh. one where I'm the judge. I, I think. Sound was the judge. No, oh, it he was Magnus. Cameo, I think, yeah, on the intro. But I, I think maybe I did a cameo after the pink episode. Basically, none of us know what it's Yeah, about. fuck knows, yeah. Episodes, but it just felt, we were surprised how late it, you were being on the episodes because you really felt like you were part of it. Um, yeah. And those, the audiences were just so like, Oh, crossover man, yeah. combined. I mean, I've still got people come out and be like, oh, are you, are you Magnus? I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, what's, I'm what's up? What's up? And they're like, oh, I remember seeing you on a PQ episode a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> All <laughs> the hard work you put into your brand and your own YouTube. <laughs> I'm like, I was in that show for like five minutes. I've, I've got 300 videos live. I've got all these other things, and I'm remembered from a PQ episode. <laughs> for dyeing your hair it's... pink on a PQ episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Shaq still gives a shit for that as well, didn't he? Because you chose me as the winner on that pink one. He still argues there was no pink in that photo. Oh, uh, yeah. It was more salmon. It was, yeah. Yeah, pastely. But I, I think that in, in, the, in the space, although we didn't necessarily spend much time together, when you're on the same platform, people who view your stuff are the same sort of viewers, and they comment on this or on that. I think you just naturally bond a little bit before you meet each other. Yeah. You know each other online, you see all the videos that the other part person makes. And then when you then meet, it's easier or it feels more natural in some ways. And like, obviously you two are super close. But actually during the show, Love you. You, and, uh, you and Shaq had quite a nice, funny relationship. <laughs> there was one point where you were going to have a charity boxing match. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe... Maybe was that the first time we met? No, at uh, in Berlin. No, it wouldn't have been. It, it was a weird one with, with Shaq. I mean, I love the guy. He's super funny. But it, it almost, for me, it was almost too jokey in some ways. Like, I'd feel I'd have a hard time chatting to him more in a serious note on the show because there's a lot of, like, going back and forth, joking-wise. It was like a love-hate relationship where it was just kind of, like, pretending to hate each other in that way where it was very, like, everything you said was either a power at each other or this kind of thing. So it got to that point where you couldn't really dial exactly. it down because it sounded as if it would have been sarcastic or yeah I mean whatever we'd say to each other back then on a show or when I was seeing him would either one of us would twist it and make <laughs> a joke about oh, it yeah, or, or whatever it is or make make fun of the other person so it I wouldn't say we were that good friends back then I think now it's a lot more it feels more natural and I say we're friends now when we see each other we don't hang out but if we're at the same event, we'll chat all night together and yeah. just catch up. And I think that's that's the beauty of it. Um, where back then it felt more like it was friends-ish for the camera in some ways. So when is the charity boxing match? Who yeah. do you think would win now? I think Shaq would win. Do you reckon? Yeah. I think currently I think Shaq would win. I remember we were we were on about this at the time and we said Magnus is cool, calm and collected, but Shaq's like bigger, but it'd be more passionate where it might just be like, He'd just be swinging. 
think you'd be quite tactical. And you fucking... Did you ever do martial arts? You did something like that. I remember you judo flipped Oscar. <laughs> we were walking. We, were, we just went for like a few drinks. And then he tried to like throw a punch at Magnus and Magnus just grabbed his arm and flipped him over his shoulder or over his head. Just flat on the concrete. Just yeah. walking down like Shoreditch High Street. <laughs> Nothing else was said. It was yeah, all it was. love. It wasn't like a proper thing. Oh, but... it, was, it wasn't a fight. It was, but Oscar was one of the editors at, at PAQ. And uh, we'd always, again, choked about stuff and always had a lot of fun. We are drinking one night, a lot of us. <laughs> and he was wearing this big Louis Vuitton puffer jacket that they'd just gotten from Kim Jones, I think. Really proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't know how it happened, but yeah, I, I just... I just showed him how to do what's called a hip hip flip or, you, or hip throw, where you use your, your body weight to just launch the other person. <laughs> and Oscar is like five foot six, I think. So he just went flying and <laughs> landed straight on his hip. And to this day, he's still like, oh man, Mac, you really fucked up my hip that day. <laughs> it was great. All over his Louis Vuitton jacket. That poor guy. So what, what were you wearing this, this time? Because now, you know, we're head to toe running. But you know, was it JW answer coats every day? Um, no, I've, I've I've always I mean, we've been making running since uh, 2017. We made sort of a lot of sweatshirts and hoodies 2018. So I at that time I wore a lot of running even then because we made trousers and and whatnot. Yeah. But back then, I mean, my style hasn't changed that much. I'd say in the last five years, it's always been sort of. Jordan 1's, Doc Martens vibe, sneakers-ish, some vintage cargos, wooden beige, clogs. beige pants, <laughs> wooden clogs, um, and a sweatshirt or like a, a simple t-shirt on top. So it, it's, I don't feel like my fashion has progressed, it's just maybe become a little bit more refined shape-wise or color-wise. Simple but effective. Yeah, I'd never sit here and say I'm the best dressed YouTuber. I think my style is pretty average, but I think it's... Accessories-wise? So who, who is the best dressed YouTuber? Uh, I mean, I've, I think Sanch will always be one of the ones who push the hardest. Yeah, I think high fashion Sanchez. Yeah, I think it, it's a love or hate though. Like you either you either really into high fashion or you're you're not. Um, but I, well, I usually either love or hate whatever Sanch is wearing. So it's sort <laughs> of yeah, it's it's hard to say who's the best dress because some people love what Sanch is wearing. Some people love what Jacob Wallace is wearing. Some people love what all these other YouTubers. Are Elise wearing. Riardi's wearing. There's some wrong'uns out there that love what Elise Riardi wears. Yeah, I know. But couldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> so we've done with the past. But the final piece of the past. What is the most embarrassing fit or trend you've been a part of? Oh, yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, there, there's one thing that springs to mind, which isn't necessarily something that wore seriously, but more so wore for a fun picture. But that was very prevalent, actually, and very relevant for the time. And that was when the whole idea of more is better when it comes to, like, Supreme and hype beast stuff. Yeah. I did a video with Ari Petru, and just for the fun of it, I was like, Ari, let's put me in as much hype beast stuff that we can possibly find and just take a picture. So there's a picture of me outside his, his, his place in West... West London, and I'm wearing a bright red Supreme fur jacket <laughs> with a bright red Supreme box logo with some Gucci monogram trackies, Ooh. some Jordan 1 Chicago's, and like a red <laughs> Supreme Ramoa case. <laughs> and 
Yeah, I, I think that's like the one of the worst yeah. things I've won. But how many likes did that get on Instagram? Uh, I think like thirty-eight thousand likes, maybe. Ooh, so it's, it's worth it, you know. These days, I'm happy with like seven, eight k. <laughs> so shows how much I've fallen from grace. <laughs> but back then, it was yeah, it was a bit like Kim Kardashian breaking the internet. I'd say it may have single-handedly broken the supreme hype space. Most ambitious yeah. crossover. Yeah, exactly. Love that. You were wearing um, ten thousand pounds worth of Supreme. You're obviously not now. Sadly. So what what brands are you like enjoying now? Just running, honestly. What are you wearing that's running right now? My shoes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, I'm very much. I wear running every day. Um, not by choice. I just have to for the brand. Yes. You know. My contract. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I wear something running every day. I'd say, whether it's shoes or trousers. But in terms of brands that I like and I pick up, I find it a bit hard to mention many. Not because I've got a, like an ego trip, but I think when you've got a clothing brand, you tend to wear your own stuff, and then I wear a lot of vintage stuff. So in that sense, vintage is what I wear most days, mixed with running. But it's but apart from that, I'd say Acne Studios would be a go-to because they do more i think refined or elegant versions of, of basics sometimes yeah um i love their cuts i love our legacy don't own any but i think they're incredible um but yeah i'm quite a boring person like i just wear running or vintage <laughs> you wear a lot of missoni vintage as well yes love missoni missoni for me is one of the greatest vintage finds you can ever get like vintage missoni cardigans I've probably got eight at home across cardigans, vests, shirts. Just the the price of Missoni now is so outrageous. Like you're paying yeah. 1,200 pounds for a cardigan, for a new Missoni cardigan, where if you go to a vintage store, you can pick one up for like 80 quid. Still not cheap, but you can get the same craftsmanship, amazing patterns for a fraction of the price. What's happening with the YouTube? Why are you not posting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's happening with the YouTube? YouTube is a is a is a weird weird one because you kind of when you start off on YouTube, you've got all these ideas, you catch like a good groove, and then you just make videos. You don't care about how many you make; you just make videos, and you love it. And then suddenly, it becomes more of a job. You start thinking, how can I make stuff that's sort of a bit brand friendly? How do I get enough views? Am I getting enough views? Do you have time to shoot this? Is this a shit idea? So I think once it goes from hobby to job, it's quite hard to just fully enjoy it. Yeah, because, keep motivation. Yeah, you see, I mean, a YouTube video takes probably start to finish 14 hours to make in terms of preparing, filming, editing, thumbnails, exporting, everything. Just a big process. And for me, every step that I go in that process, a little seed of doubt just sort of, sprouts a and piece of you dies inside <laughs> literally and every time i watch it i'm like wow who watches this crap <laughs> um, but then the hardest thing for me is when you get to the make public now like the publish button it's that little seed has grown so much where i'm always looking at the video thinking like who's gonna watch this is this worth my time are people gonna enjoy it um and then when you didn't post it, you check the views all the time and you think, oh, it's not got enough views. Maybe it's the, the wrong thumbnail. Maybe people didn't like the intro. So it becomes super analytical. Yeah. Where it used to just be a funny film. Post it, see what happens. Yeah. 
So are you, are you stopping now? Are you gonna just sort of do it as and when you feel like it? I don't know if I'm stopping. I, I've always enjoyed sort of behind the scenes of running, sit down videos that are a bit more sort of off the cuff, less editing, less prepared. But I think pickup videos are sort of a thing from the past. I don't know if I see myself doing many other videos apart from maybe a few ones every now and then. But I, I wouldn't say YouTube is my job and I don't think it will be my job in the future either. Can I ask about one of the latest videos you did? You basically broke down how much your brand makes and how much profit there is in that. Yeah. Which I thought was like super great, transparent, gives eyes to people on the start brand. Why'd you do it? Um, I think transparency is great in in many business in many ways and i think there's a big value for everyone to be more included in the process and behind the scenes of a, of a company growing up i've always had an interest in business and and whatnot but i've never really known how to get behind it or find out more about behind the scenes and i think including people on that journey and and saying hey even though we make this much money i still got to pay these people it costs a lot of money yeah. so i want to sort of show that process and i think that's how you really feel like a brand becomes a bit cooler or um, not necessarily cooler, but I think it's it's a good way to get people on board and understand that, okay, these trousers are a bit expensive, but they're not selling 10,000. They can't make them for 10, 10 quid each. Like yeah. It's a lot of craftsmanship, a lot of moving parts, and it's a good way to educate people a little bit and feel like they're a part of the process. So if you're not doing YouTube, how do you intro yourself? Like what would you class yourself as? Male stripper, usually. Male stripper. Yeah. Um, Where'd you perform? Apart anywhere, from Las Vegas? Anywhere I can. Out. Yeah. <laughs> in my parents' bedroom. No. Um, While they're in. <laughs> yeah. That's how you make your money. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills. It's not YouTube these days. Uh, no, I, it, it, yeah. Influencer. I usually say content, content creator. And I think that's the sort of brand, it's this way of saying, I I'll do shit for money. I create, yeah. I'll do shit for money. I'll go to Dubai and get shot on easy. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to say content creator. I haven't said YouTuber because I've always felt like there's been some negative connotations around being a YouTuber, which probably comes from a lot of it. It feels like a kids' platform in some ways. Yeah, it feels like it's not being taken seriously by a lot of brands or older people. So saying you're an influencer or I'm a TikToker or I'm a YouTuber, just always felt Seems a bit gummy. off. Yeah. And like, seeing as you love transparency, money-wise, yeah. YouTube versus Instagram, just the amount of work you said you put into a, a YouTube video versus Instagram, like when a brand pays you, is it like, it's probably just easier for you to go shoot a fit pic? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, Instagram and YouTube praise pretty much the same. I do prefer brand deals on YouTube just because you can talk more about it. It's sometimes easier to incorporate into whatever you're doing, but sort of the, not to measure everything about time against money, but it's more effective to do fit pics on Instagram for brand deals rather than dedicated YouTube videos because the amount of revisions, editing, planning the whole thing, scheduling it is, is a lot of work. What do you spend your money on? Rent. Rent. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, rent and delivery. That's sort of my, my two vices. Favourite cuisine? Favourite cuisine. I've got a few cousins. I, 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 don't, I don't think you'd know him. Fuck's <laughs> sake. Um, That's staying in, by the way. Oh, 100%. <laughs> 
favorite favorite cuisine I'd say is um, probably burgers. I don't is know. it? Yeah, but I think favorite burger spot. There's a place in Leeds called <laughs> Smasherize. I like smash burgers, banging, so good. In London, I'd probably say the best burger might be Burger and Beyond. I think. Don't know that one. It's literally, one always good. Burger and Beyond. We can literally see it from here. Oh, can we? We can see it from our from where we're shooting the podcast. It's hard to fuck up a burger, I will say. <laughs> but gonna prove you wrong. <laughs> but for me, comfort food is lasagna. Really? Yeah, it's kind of rogue in a sense. I've lived years of microwave lasagna from Tesco. Big ones like the family packs. It all depends. To it depends on the mood. Usually, I'll have two a day. Wow. Yeah. Never knew that. What's interesting about you two is so. I know, Magnus, you like going out for dinner. We've gone out for food before. But day to day, you both eat so shit. <laughs> yeah, I, my, my diet is, is, is not the best. Um, it's actually so bad I'm going on a, on a diet plan now. Yeah, my diet used to be just meal deals. Tesco meal deals in the day. What's your meal deal of choice? And then lasagna at night. My meal of choice would always be a Thank you. triple sandwich. Oof. because ever since I was a kid, my dad and I have always had this idea with meal deals that you have to maximize the amount of calories you get <laughs> for your money. Yeah. So I'd, I'd literally go through every single pack and check the calories. I'm like, okay, this triple. Which six, one was it? Well, it's the... Bacon, sausage and egg, is it? No, it's a smoked ham egg club. Right. That's like 640 calories. <laughs> and then you get a naked smoothie, which is something like 250 calories. And then I used to get a... Millionaire shortbread. Oh. If I want to maximize it. I don't do that yeah. anymore. But if I had to pick now, I'd say chicken salad's decent. Put some McCoy salt and crisps in. And then a green naked smoothie. I like just ham, a yeah. boiled egg, and water. It's nice. Could it's be real, anything more dull. Makes sense for you. Real bloke. Exactly. <laughs> bloke. No fuss. Yeah. So no, thank God. Who's your favorite brand to work with? Who, who do you want to work with again, basically? Shout out right now. <laughs> I mean, uh, if I wasn't off the dating scene, I would say Tinder again. I did a Tinder campaign. Such a good company to work for. It was incredible. What was it about it? Yeah, I'm off the market. Yeah. What was good about working for Tinder? Uh, they gave Free me pass. Tinder gold for life. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. No, it, it was just it was funny to work with such a big company. Like the same way I said that I would view guys on the PDYs and uh, and seeing that big crew. Shooting a campaign for Tinder was, was incredible because there's a big team. You get to see how many people are actually on set. I saw myself on like billboards and the underground. Yeah. I got loads of Tinder matches. It was just <laughs> overall an amazing opportunity. Did you meet your current girlfriend on Tinder? No. Hinge, so. Oh! <laughs> Straight to the competition. But... And what was, the, what was that move? Did she move to you or did you move to her? What's your opening line? I can't. This is confidential. We went through Mangus's Hinge, didn't we? Yeah. We were at the event and we just kind of went to the smoking area, sat down and went through Mangus's Hinge. It was when you wanted to give me uh, dating advice and we, we re-upped my Hinge profile. We did. And it worked. And we messaged a girl about sausage rolls in vending machines yeah. in Berlin. Is it Berlin? Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Now my... Um... You had a good one though. You said something where it's like, I'm the, I'm the second worst star sign. Don't because then. But it's like you just. You fucking end up matching with the the girls who are into it, like That's the astrology every girl, girls. Yeah, every True. girl's into it. I, I, I kid you not, I know every single star sign now. 
off the dates when people are like, oh, I'm born February, Pisces. What am I? August the 9th. Leo. Nice. July 19th. Uh, Taurus. Oh, Cancer. Cancer. Let's get Taurus. Sorry, bro. But basically, yeah, your star sign, like, star sign line is, I'm second by star sign, so people will pop up to you and say, they'll guess, and then obviously you got a conversation started. I thought it was quite good, actually, being like, I genuinely believe that that should be behind a paywall because honestly, I will say when Magnus changed it on my one to that, I got like an insane amount of matches. <laughs> like, insane amount of matches. I don't know why, they just love star signs. But yeah, I, I might start doing that as like a, a service. Let me optimize your hinge profile. <laughs> yeah, so now my, I think mine one used to say, You went from pickups to pickup artist. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, mine said, used to be, Believe it, believe it or not, I've got the second worst star sign. So people are like, oh, what's the worst one? Or they start guessing, is it Scorpio? Is no, it Gemini? Gemini. Gemini, yeah. Fuck Geminis. When's that? Late May. Late yeah. May, early June. So soon. Yeah, soon. Yeah. And then the other one is, I've got one that says, I know it's time to delete Hinge when all my hoodies have been stolen. Nice. So that's the frisky one if people are like, ooh. <laughs> Ooh, sexy uh, little <laughs> pickup. Yeah. Turns out you've just got a brand and you don't have much security for it. <laughs> Turns out I've got unlimited hoodies. Yeah. <laughs> I've got boxes at home, hoodies I can't sell, and I'm just trying to flog him. Don't do seeding. You just bring girls back to give the hoodies away to them. That's genius. Yeah, seeding. That is a seeding, yeah. In many ways. Talking about seeding. Talking about seeding. And you're an influencer. And you're an influencer. Or a content creator. Or a content creator. Yeah. What's the best thing you've got for free? Uh... Best thing up for free holidays. Holidays are good. Yeah. If we ignore holidays, uh, I worked with flannels once, and they they sort of gave some budget to spend on the website. So I got a nice flannels little Saint Laurent jacket for nice. free, basically. And then apart from that, there's a online store in the US called Forward, like Forward Man, and they gave me another Saint Laurent jacket. <laughs> so. I think those are the two best ones. Apart from that, though, Prada seating always on point. Super cool. Um, Burberry was also amazing. They, whenever they invited people to shows, they would give them like an outfit of choice. So I got a, to keep there. Yeah. So I've got a Burberry jacket at home, which is like five grand. So heavy. What's been the most interesting thing you've received? Diesel did a show invite last year, I think, and they sent these two glass balls and a glass cock ring <laughs> and it said like enjoy the show on the on the invite and i was like mm, i think you'll be enjoying my show here but uh, <laughs> was that a digital show as well yeah digital okay. one yeah. obviously you got uh you're one of the lucky people that got sent the invites for the Virgiablo louis vuitton shows true never got invited to the actual show but we don't talk about that on live um <laughs> But yeah, they incredible invites. Like for me, Louis Vuitton have really pioneered the show invite. Not yeah. pioneered, but they do. They did. I think they still do these incredible show invites, and they change every every season. So once I got a like a Louis Vuitton jigsaw puzzle, and I've got like an, a build your own airplane with Louis Vuitton yeah. branding on it, and these super cool invites that even though I'm not going to the show, I feel like I'm a part of that that universe. Yeah. So for me, that's probably the coolest seeding invites. And what brand do you want to work with then? 
It'll be Louis Vuitton. I think Louis Vuitton is a super cool brand to work with. And from a high-end perspective, I think that's that might be the pinnacle. Yeah. Because I think their, their branding is is really, really incredible. And I've always said that if I was to buy a statement piece from a high-end brand and spend a lot of money, it would probably be Louis Vuitton. And it would be, it'd be like a statement jacket. Love that. So out of everything in your wardrobe now, your house is on fire. You've been watching your female orc for too long your computer's overheated it's caught fire it you can save one item of clothing from your wardrobe what would it be and why i would save i've got two hands so i'm gonna take my two jw anderson jackets i was gonna say it has uh, to be has to be yeah, i can't leave one behind but it, for me it's because <laughs> you go outside and throw more running in there <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck the running <laughs> yeah no i um I'd say those two. I mean, not because I wear them the most or because I think they're the most, the greatest piece I've got, but more so because they sort of symbolize me Sentiments. getting more into fashion. And it was yeah. the first things that I bought and they still are the one of the pieces that I would never, never sell. Um, Perfect. The future of Ronin. Where is it heading? Where is it heading? <laughs> We're opening a store in Reading. So, reading? Yeah, reading. I, I actually don't know. I mean, we've we spent... I said the last five years trying to sort of pinpoint our aesthetic that we want to go forward with. And I think we've sort of reached it now to the point where we can start scaling a bit more and pushing in that direction. I think we're opening a store next year in spring. Wow. Uh, going that back to, talent. yeah, going back to brick and mortar. Oh, what? That yeah. thing about the scientist and his granddad? What is it? The scientist and his grandson? That's Rick and Morty. Ah, right. Mm. Oh, Rick and Morty. That was yeah. a terrible joke. Yeah. Although... Seen when he turns the devil to a pickle? Funniest shit ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's a good episode. Best program. Carry on. So you got a fucking, you got a Rick and Morty coming soon. Rick and Morty collaboration coming very soon. Um, Are you going to be in store behind the till? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh. I, no, it's it's a bit, I mean, it's, it's scary, the idea of doing it. It's a big investment. But so, it's not confirmed yet. We're just chatting to people about it, seeing how we do it, if it makes sense. I think having a brick mortar store is a massive sort of cash investment, yeah. but it could be good with the footfall for the branding side of it to sort of create a store that's more our aesthetic and really show it. And I think it gives a great way for people to visit the store, try stuff on before potentially buying online. Yeah. Do you think that doing something like that as well is gonna help the brand? I don't see it as an influencer brand anymore. But I'm sure some people. It's got your name on it. Like, yeah. is that is that part of that? You want to move it away from being Magnus Ronning's brand? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we've always, I wouldn't say always, but in the last three years, we've been trying to move away from from me being sort of the face of the brand. So I, I'm not in a campaigns anymore. I don't do any of the modelling because we don't want it to be Magnus Ronning's brand. Yeah, we want it to be Ronning, although it's my surname. Why is but, your logo TFL? Oh, it's not. Not TFL anymore. No. We changed it. It's got cease and desist as well. Did you? Yeah, we had to stop using it. You're joking. No. Class. Love that. Not from TFL. Oh, is it not? <laughs> no. No, no, no. Not from, from TFL. From a brand that we're not going to give any uh, shine to. In it, yeah. Class. Fuck them. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny, though, because they sent me the cease and desist. And we obviously obeyed. We're like, fine. We don't need to fight it. It wasn't a big part of our branding. And then two weeks later, after the whole thing is over, I got an email saying... Hey, we'd love to see you from this brand. <laughs> no way. I was, I was like, the fucking nerve. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, they had no idea that this whole thing was happening, but 
Yeah, they still email me. They're like, hey, check out the new collection. Who is it? We can blow it out. <laughs> oh, is it? Of <laughs> course. Yeah. yeah. So they, they feel like our logo is too similar and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, um, so <clears throat> you, you're not modeling in the campaigns anymore? No. So you my, fee's, my fee is too high. You need models? No. I know Jordan's been trying to be our Excel model for the last <laughs> many years. Well, why has Danny never been a model? <coughs> I don't know if Danny fits the, fits the bill. Nothing personal, Danny. Hate it anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Bunch no. of shit. It, modeling modeling is a weird, it's a weird world because having come from that industry myself and like trying it out, you feel like you go to all these castings and you think, oh, I'd be, I'd be great for this brand. I'll look good in it, yada, yada, yada. And then you don't get the callback. But then being in the now hiring position, there are just some people who fit the brand aesthetic in some ways, or like it's the right look for the brand. It's also and where you want to take the brand as well, isn't it? So you'd want to, I know it's obviously Fred Perry, there used to just be a lot of geezers and whatever, and now it's very fashiony, it's very modelly kind of thing. It's yeah, You can obviously, you choose how you want your brand to be, sometimes based on the models. 100%. And the same thing now is happening with Gymshark. So Gymshark are going through quite a lot of online stuff currently where obviously there used to be this brand where it was bodybuilders with massive, massive muscles and like string vests promoting the brand. They would go to these bodybuilding expos and really push Gymshark as, as this amazing weightlifting yes. bodybuilding brand. And now obviously becoming a much bigger company and wanting a bigger more market share. It's more lifestyle, it's more sort of inclusive, it's more diverse, which is, is amazing. But now the big bodybuilders are feeling like they've sort of done a bait and switch where it used to be for us with massive muscles and topless pictures on Instagram and then suddenly became more about everyone else rather than the, yeah. the meatheads. It's more like runners rather than the, the roid heads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, like. which is fair enough. I think diversity is, is incredible, but most sounds, brands start. Sounds like there's a big group of unrepresented roid heads, Magnus. Yeah. I think Ronin should be a meathead brand. Muscle fit tees. Muscle fit tees. Muscle fit ringers. <laughs> Sweatshirts with cut off sleeves. Perfect. So outside of running, what do you want to see from like fashion as a whole going forward? What do you think is important? Um, I think multi-season collections are important in the sense that I think more permanent clothing should be promoted rather than new season new collection yeah because i think that's what's pushing people to obviously consume more and buy more rather than appreciate what they have in their wardrobe so for, for us at running i think we want to one day be a bit like carhartt in a sense that you can find a pair of carhartt trousers that are 30 years old in a vintage store and they still look great they hold up and they don't feel out of place or out of date yeah and i think sometimes with a lot of the fashion that we see it feels very seasonal and you'd look back on Jacquemus stuff you bought two years ago, maybe, or Balenciaga stuff you bought two years ago. And because you bought it while it was trendy, yeah, it now feels out of trend. And that's what we'd love to avoid. And also, I think that a lot of brands put their prices too high because they know they're going to go into sale. And so many people wait for the sale before buying something. And then suddenly we're conditioned to wait for a sale rather than buying with purpose. And running doesn't go on sale. No sales. Buy it right now or we'll burn it in two years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what do you think about like the future of fabrics? Like, 
Have you seen any that you're maybe going to use for running? Not really. I think obviously we're always looking at stuff that's more, that's better for the environment, that you wash less, that holds up better. But I think a lot of the, the materials we have currently will stand the test of time. It's just picking the right ones. So it's not like we're looking into a special liquid nylon or a yeah. special weave or anything. If it suits the brand and it lasts happy days, but we're not actually developing much, I'd say. Um, we make everything out of hunting cotton in our everyday uniform line and want to keep doing that just because you can wear it in, you can wash it nicely, you can dye it a new color if you get tired of it. And we use less plastic, obviously. So you're not consuming a lot of other brands, but I know as someone who likes fashion, you do keep your eyes open. Who Who's like exciting you going forward? Who do you think are going to be the next brands that we should be taking note of? I mean, I like our legacy. Maybe like at Fashion Week, is there anyone that's like really grabbing your attention? Don't know. I haven't been to Fashion Week for two years. Okay, just sit outside so, and taking photos. <laughs> they didn't let me in. <laughs> no, I, I just, I, I don't know if it's if, if I'm the problem, but I, I just feel like there's so many things happening all the time in fashion that it's so hard to keep track of what's what's happening at the same time. And unless you're really focusing on diving into fashion, it's hard to have full knowledge of it. Yeah. Um, when I've made more YouTube videos, I was more aware of the trends and whatnot. But now I'm very much just focusing on on the brand and avoiding to look too much at other other stuff going on. You don't want to look sideways. On. I don't mind looking sideways. I just okay. I yeah, I'm 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 super simple in terms of I just like comfortable clothes that I wear day in day out. Perfect. Are you um, gonna be like diversifying what you do then? If you're like looking bigger than fashion, so you you got the brand. You're not doing so much YouTube. You're doing a bit of content creation. What else is on the on the horizon for Magnus running? Currently, I'm I'm learning how to do Illustrator, so I can make some monkeys and sell them online. <laughs> um, because that's where all the money is, apparently. Are you into NFTs? I do you own an NFT? I don't own an NFT. I've, I've considered a few times. Yeah, just because it it for feels it feels like yeah, it's for the meme, culturally relevant currently. But I, I just can't get behind the fact that a monkey, a picture of a monkey, costs half a million. Because you're, you're not, you're not like a, somebody who's like a luddite. You, you've dabbled in crypto and things like that, so you, you know that space. Yeah. But you just haven't taken that plunge on NFT yet. No, I was closer the other day because there was a scope of making making money on it. Was it the Philip Lime one? Oh, I wish. <laughs> Best designer in the world. No, it was it was a uh, <laughs> it was metaverse real estate. Oh. So land, basically. Uh, and uh, if, if you bought it at the time and you sold after it had just come out, you would have made maybe 10 grand in, in a space of, in a span of 10, hour, 10 hours. But I don't want to sit and spend every day looking at products or projects and then having to be awake at the right time for a drop and then buy stuff and keep track of my, yeah, it's, it's a lot. So I'll... I'll I invest in crypto, but I don't really invest in, in the NFTs. So how do you feel about the metaverse? I can't wait. Just take me away. Good. Just get Stick me. that VR headset on. <laughs> Stick yeah. me with me female. Oh. Exactly. Just me and me and my lady. VR headsets on, furiously masturbating. <laughs> no. With um, the diesel cockering on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in I've, the metaverse. I've still got it on, actually. Good lord. It couldn't it's come off. I can smell. <laughs> It's, it's stuck it's stuck on there. <laughs> with with the metaverse, yeah. uh, I would say you're off on a date with your female orc, but to yeah. maybe woo or just in general, you have an outfit in the metaverse. What 
is that outfit Magnus running? Jordan ones, pair of pair cargos, cargos varsity, varsity jacket, jacket. Yeah. white tee. No, I, the whole idea of dressing up in a metaverse for me is it, it just feels a bit bit weird. I, I think I just wear something dumb. Like I, I think I wear just the yeah. diesel cock ring. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I, I think the, the idea of like dressing up for metaverse is so foreign, so weird. But I, I, it would probably be the varsity. Yeah. The varsity jacket. <laughs> super one? No, nah, vintage one. Like vintage, proper high school musical. <laughs> loads of... Saint Laurent. <laughs> $3,000 Saint Laurent jacket. Perfect. No, it, it would be um, probably just like very embroidered with badges on it, patches, everything. Vintage green varsity jacket. Green over red. Green over red in the metaverse. A lot of people might not realise this who sort of follow you now. You were a bit of like a sneakerhead. So what is that Grail sneaker then? I've already got my Grail sneaker. Tom Sachs? Tom Sachs, I'd nice. say. Still, it's... The Tom Sachs is so prestigious in the sneaker yeah. world without being a Jordan or a Yeezy. So for me, it's like the perfect sneaker to show that you're into streetwear or into that side of it without wearing like a massive logo or some crazy... Jordan one incredible shoe is one of the obviously most valuable shoes that aren't a basketball shoe oh, I think new like brand new Death Star about six six grand I'd say what were they when they came out 160 Oof, not and bad. the store about how I got mine incredible go on so they had a Tom Sachs screening when they released them and a friend of mine had gotten an invite had to RSVP and I was like, hey, can you can you send me that invite? It's just like an email. He's like, nah, I don't wanna I don't wanna lose my invite. Yeah. I was like, don't I'm not gonna say it's from you. Just give me the Who email. Was it? Uh I think it's Milo. Milo or Dan that I used yeah. to live with. So end of the day, he gives me the email and I go, Hi, RSVP <laughs> for Magnus running for Tom Sachs event, please. Bear in mind, this is twenty eighteen, I think. Yeah. And the guy replies within five minutes. He's like Hi, um, how did you get this invite? There's no Magnus oh. running on our official list. And I'm sitting at home sweating. I'm like, <laughs> they got me. I'll never get invited again. <laughs> and then I was like, uh, yeah, my friend was sort of invited. And I, I just really loved Tom Sachs. And I was wondering if I could come and see the, the movie that you guys are screening. Nice. And then apparently the guy knew who I was from watching the videos or something like watching that. Watching BAQ. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, he. I think he knew who I was, just because it's the industry. And he's yeah. like, "Oh, it's fine. Just, just come." And nice. then he, I sit there, I go to the event, and I meet the guy, and I'm shaking. Like, "Oh, nice to meet you, Magnus." Uh, what the guy who you asked me to, or Tom Sachs? <laughs> oh no, the guy I asked me to. I never met, <laughs> never met Tom Sachs. Couldn't care less. <laughs> uh, and then watch the whole movie. Good, good little short film. Is it yeah, it's good. And then. They're like, oh, now everyone, you can buy the shoes if you want. And I'm they're like, fuck yeah, I'm getting the shoes for retail. <laughs> <laughs> so I got them for retail, 160. I remember they, they were selling for about 600 pounds like two weeks later after the release. And now they're six grand at Flight Club or something. That is wild. So That was worth the story. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed that. Thank you. You're a hustler. Nike, if you're listening, Ronan, thank you. Thank what you so man? much. Thank you, Ronan. And on that note, I think we should wrap up 
the the free pod. We will obviously be having you for a bit longer. We've got the Patreon, the paywall, where we get the, the juicy stuff. We get the audience questions, your recommendations, and all that good stuff. But for now, thank you very much for listening. Thank, thank you. you for coming on, Ronin. No, thank you for... Jeez, I said Ronin <laughs> too much. Thank you for going on, Marcus Ronin. Oh, that's, that's okay. Thank you for having me. If you guys want to listen to ASMR of me and Danny snogging, now's <laughs> your time to go on Patreon and subscribe. <laughs> Big love, Magnus. Thank you very much. Catch you in a bit, guys. Drake this ain't Laurent Supreme. Amount of money that I spend on what I want is obscene. All surreal how we live is good off of a dream. And I swear I do it all for the team. Drunk off of the hand. Truly feel I'm the coldest alive. All I do is.